Good morning. Oh, you guys are so much better than the 8.15. You can tell them I said that. Because um, they were just like, yeah, oh, morning. I was like, oh, that's, at least it's good for me. Um, it's good to see you guys and a big week for South Africa, eh? Eh? Sharks are top of the log? Come on, yeah. Like of the, of the whole log. I mean, when last did that happen? Um, and then we beat the Aussies. Thrashed them, 3-0. And then there was this other thing that happened um, with the coronavirus that came. So we just want to say a couple of things. Number one, if you're one of the people that bought all the hand sanitizer, please share with the rest of us. <laughs> like we're at church actually accepting tithes and hand sanitizer now. I just put 10% of whatever you bought. It's a too soon. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, but lots of people obviously are panicking, and so we're actually going to, I want to educate you a little bit. We're going to do something together. So we don't do this normally, but please stand up. And we've got a, screen, uh, a, a scripture on the screen, Psalm 91. And we're going to declare this out loud over ourselves. Because in the one sense, the world is fighting. The medical guys are fighting. They're doing their stuff. We need to pray for them. But we're also fighting in the Spirit. Okay, so we're going to do this together. And it's awkward because you don't know when to start. Okay, so I'm going to go one, two, three, and then we start. Okay, one, two, three. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shout to you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, Though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Amen. Father God, I just thank you so much for your promises. And I thank you, God, that in this season, your people can be marked with a peace that passes all understanding, that we can carry peace and minister peace to a world that is fretting and fearful. God, I pray for radical wisdom for us. And I pray, God, that you give wisdom to the doctors and medical professionals, God. And I pray, God, you give wisdom to us, God, who stand in the Spirit, that they fight in the natural and we fight in the Spirit, God. But I just pray for no fear in your people for fearless hearts in the name of Jesus. And all his people said, amen. amen. Thank you so much. Take a seat. It's important to do this stuff. And if you are prone to fear or you've been fearful in the space, just in the morning, declare passages like this, Psalm 91, there's others. You can declare them over yourself and your family and take a stand that your heart will not give ground to fear because we've been born of love and called to live love in the world around us. 
I'm not preaching on this this morning. I'm preaching on discipleship. I am disciple. The heart of this series is that you might be a lot of things in your life. You might be a father or a mother or a husband or a wife. Um, you may be a, a brother. You may be a worker somewhere, an engineer, whatever you are. And you have those as part of your identity. But what happens is, is we say, I am disciple. So what we do is we bring our discipleship to every single one of those. The way I love my wife is a part of my discipleship to Jesus. I worship Jesus by the way I treat her. The way I raise my son Judah is a part of my discipleship to Jesus. All aspects of this are a part of what God is, uh, I'm just saying hi to your mate, good to see you. Um, all, all these things, we bring discipleship to, to bear on these things. We bring it to bear on our finances, on our sexuality, on our fear levels, on the way we approach every aspect of our life because it's how we see ourselves. We are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And a couple of weeks ago, I, I preached on the call in Matthew chapter four. And I said, there's three parts to the call. I dealt with two, two weeks ago and you get the last one for free today. Um, so we're gonna read this. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water they, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they left their nets at once and followed him. And two weeks ago, I preached on the two of the first three aspects, or two of the three aspects. Number one, come follow me. Um, that ultimately allows, uh, it calls us to leave our nets. It calls us to leave everything and be followers of Jesus. That that's how we see ourselves. That the mission of my life is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That he calls me into the space. The second is that, uh, and I will make you, that we actually have to allow Jesus to make us into something. That his will, that his heart, his hope for us is to conform us to be like him. And he gives us a head start because he makes us as righteous as he is and he makes us perfect in the sight of the Father. And it's a wonderful head start, but he also wants our character to be shaped this way. And then the last of it is, and I will make you fishers of men. That the call of Jesus Christ to be his disciple is complete. A time when you realize you're gonna cough into a microphone. Um, the call of Jesus Christ is completely linked. The call to be a discipleship, to be a disciple is completely linked to becoming fishers of men. In other words, the whole heart of being a disciple is how do we reach other people for Jesus? And the amazing thing is in this very thing, in the very first instance, Jesus just went fishing for Andrew and, uh, and Peter and he catches them and the first thing he says is I'm gonna teach you to do this to other people. I'm gonna teach you to, how to go out and fish for others. And so there's this amazing invitation to be a part of the mission of Jesus, that how do we make his mission our mission? So I'm gonna give you some background to this from Genesis 12. We're gonna start in Genesis 12, work all the way through to Jesus. But you need to know this about Jesus. When he came and ministered, he stepped into a context. And that context was that God had been dealing with his people, the people of Israel, for a few thousand years. 2,000 from Abraham, and they had a history beyond that with heroes of the faith like Noah and all those. And so when uh, Jewish people are hearing Jesus speak, they're hearing him speak in, the con in a rich context that we don't always get. And so I wanna try and give you that context and help you understand what happened. The Lord, this is Genesis 12, the Lord had said to Abraham, this is the guy who became Abraham, 
Um, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I like that it says, leave them and go to the land that I will show you, not go to this land. So you just got to start walking sometimes, you know, and hope that you're heading in the right direction. Um, Two, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. The fact that 2,000 years, 4,000 years after this, we're still talking about the nation of Israel is a miracle of history. There's no other nation in the world that can track their, their, their lineage back like this. 4,000 years to its very inception and beginning. He says, I'll make you into a great nation and I'll bless you and make you famous. The fact that we're talking about Abraham 4,000 years later is amazing. So he is famous and, I will be a, and you will be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with a contempt. You know, there's something like 26 different nations that have said or, or government systems that have said, we're gonna wipe out the Jewish people. And every single one of them ceased to exist except for the nation of Israel. It's pretty cool, hey, for a 4,000-year-old promise. So when God makes us promises, they stick. And, uh, and then he says, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Imagine being told all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Like, who are you, Mark Zuckerberg? You know, not even Facebook has reached all the families of the earth. Not even Google has reached all the families of the earth. But Abraham and the blessing through him will reach all families on earth. Why? Because it's the gospel that comes through this man, Abraham, and his, his descendants, the nation of Israel, that will bring uh, the gospel to all the earth. And, and Romans 4, in Romans 4, Paul links this promise, all families of the earth will be blessed through you, to the gospel that gets preached through this family, that comes through this lineage. And so this is what happens. God takes a single man, he makes them into a nation, and he places that nation in the heart of the ancient world. You've got three continents. You've got Africa, and you had the superpowers there of Egypt, and Ethiopia was around. And then you've got um, Asia over here. Probably wrong other way for you. Okay, so Africa, Asia. Uh, it gets confusing. I'm not ambi-multidextrous. Um, Asia over here, and then you've got Europe over here, and then this tiny sliver of green land in between the deserts and the sea where Israel existed. And every traveler and army of old had to go through that sliver. So God positions them there, and everyone that travels through there, whether they're travelers or merchants or uh, armies, they hear about the God of Israel. And under David and Solomon, the third, well, the second and third king of Israel, um, God establishes this mighty king, a kingdom. They become a superpower, and right at the heart of it is the temple and the presence of God. And so people from all over the world come to hear about this God. The queen of Ethiopia, or Sheba, uh, came to hear about the God of Israel, and the people traveled because they'd heard about this God. It doesn't matter who you were, you, you would have to come to Israel to hear. And then uh, they mess up, and some prophets come, and some invading armies come, and they get taken away as captives to Babylon, and then they return, and they rebuild Jerusalem, they rebuild the temple, and then it goes quiet for 400 years. Because sometimes like you're praying, and you're like, your God, it's been ages since I heard your voice. It's been like three weeks now. 400 years. Imagine being born like 200 years in. You're like, when last was there a prophet? 200 years ago. Oh, it's got to be any day now. Nah, you're like halfway. And, uh, and, and we, we lose sight that for 400 years, this people that were so used to the presence and the voice of God had nothing for 400 years. And yet they kept believing in the God of Israel.
And then John the Baptist arrives on the scene. Luke chapter three. When John the Baptist went from place, then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. He comes after 400 years and he's not the main deal. He's just preparing the way for the main deal, which is Jesus. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. Can everyone say sent? It's a big deal. Small word, and we go, oh, so God sends salvation. But for thousands of years, if you wanted to find salvation, you had to go to salvation, which was in Jerusalem, because that's where the temple and the presence of God was. And now he's saying that salvation will be sent. Everyone say sent. Sent. Thank you. Yes, you guys are awesome. (laughs) To all people, not just the Jews. I mean, Jesus said in in, uh, John chapter 4, salvation is of the Jews, that it came through a Jewish lineage, and even Jesus primarily ministered to Jewish people. And yes, there's a prophecy in the from Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came, that the day is coming when salvation will be sent to all peoples. That's a big deal. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You didn't become a Christian because you went to Jerusalem to encounter the presence of God Salvation was sent to you. That's why you're sitting here today. And so, what did Jesus do about this? Where do we see the mission of Jesus in this space? Well, firstly, he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He says, you're gonna actively be involved in fishing other men. So Jesus goes and actively fishes for Peter and Andrew. And then he says, I'm gonna help you fish for other people. And these weren't like fish traps. Fish traps are something you put in the water and you hope a fish swims into it and can't get out again. These aren't fish traps. They used to fish with nets so they had to hunt for the fish, find out where they were and gather them, scoop the nets and try and gather as many as possible. So it's an active pursuit of fish. And then Jesus fishes for men and tells them they're gonna fish for other men. And then he's got 12 disciples But he actually had a lot more disciples. He just picked 12 of those disciples to be 12 special disciples. In my son's uh, Bible, I'm reading him his Bible every night, and it says Jesus' special friends. They got to hang out with Jesus all the time. But look at what he calls them. He says, Mark 3, verse 14, Then he, that's Jesus, appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them. Everyone say, send them out to preach. You know what apostle means? The sent ones. The sent ones. He chooses 12 sent ones to send them. Because salvation's being sent through the sent ones to the earth. What an amazing thing to call the first 12 leaders you pick to start your church, and they're gonna be the ones that take this gospel and, and steward it once Jesus goes back to the Father. He calls them the sent ones. Can you imagine that conversation? I've come here, I've been sent to tell you about the gospel of Jesus. And they're like, what are you called? We're called the sent ones. The sent ones are sent because salvation is sent. Do you understand that at the very first thing when God appoints people, or Jesus appoints people to carry his message, they're, they're imbued with the heart of the mission. 
Isaiah 40, and then all people will see the salvation sent from God. And then Jesus takes these 12 and he sends them. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2 and verse 6. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent, say sent, out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Verse 6, so they began their circuit of the villages preaching the good news and healing the sick. Mission strategy number one, send them. Mission strategy number two, Luke chapter 10, the very next chapter. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples. So 72 plus 12 is, joking, 84. Just checking how your maths is going. <laughs> other disciples and sent. You guys are catching on. It's awesome. And sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. You know, you're sitting here today because someone was praying, God, please send more workers into the field. And people went out and they shared the gospel. And that's why you're sitting here today. And other people are praying that God will send out more workers into the field and you're the people that God wants to send. Because being sent is at the heart of being a disciple. Can I say it another way? If you don't see yourself as being sent, you're not a disciple. Because sometimes as preachers, we've got to make a point. So the heart of being a disciple is being a sent one. God has sent you into your family, into your circle of friends, into your workplace, and you've got to figure out what it means to be a sent one in that space. You see, we, for too long what we've done is we've, we've allowed a class of professional Christians to carry the weight of being sent. But if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're as sent as I am. And I'm loving this transition that I'm in because I've worked in church for years and, and I've stepped off staff and I'm starting to consult and coach and train, do leadership training, that kind of stuff in corporate space. And you can't, like, I can't get up and preach there like I am now. But I'm sent there. And I've got to figure out what it means to be sent there because I can't get up and start preaching Jesus in that space because I've got to Bear in mind that that's a corporate environment, but I am a carrier of Jesus in that space. And the Bible says that you are salt and light wherever you are. What does that mean for you? So you've got to figure that out with God. And I'm in the process of figuring that out for me and saying, God, how do I carry the fragrance of Jesus into this space and be a light for you? Because not like I'm going to try and be salty, you know? You just are salt. Not that you've got to try and be lighty. Hey, lighty. You just are light. So you're the carriers of that into your environment and you've got to figure out what that means because that's at the very heart of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you're not figuring out what that means, then I, you've lost heart of what discipleship is because we can't divorce these two. You see, for too long, discipleship was people gathering around a Bible, learning more about God. And actually being a disciple is we learn more about God so that we've got more to give. And if it doesn't result in giving more, then discipleship hasn't taken place. And I'm saying this quite strongly because I want you to understand that God is with you in this process. 
See, God never asks us to do something he doesn't empower us to do. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 19, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus made disciples and then told them to go make disciples. In other words, you're only a disciple if you're making more disciples. That's what it means to be a disciple. You make more disciples. And at some point, it's got to kick into the space where what I've received is what I give. And then Jesus adds this other text, verse 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so what we hope is we hope that Jesus is with us for our mission. And sometimes our mission is our career and our finances and our marriage and our families. But he actually says, I will be with you when you go and make disciples. And actually, all those other things are to help you make disciples. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. When we embrace the mission, he's with us. You know what provision? Provision is, we you know, hey, God, I need provision, I need finances. You know what provision means? For the vision. Your home is provision of God for the vision of making disciples. So how do you use your home? And like so many people in our community, they've gone, hey, I've got a home. I'm gonna open it so people can come in and have life group here. Hey, I've got a car, so I'm gonna use it to pick up people, to bring them to church or to bring them into my home so that they can grow in this plot of being disciples. I, I've got finances and that finances exist for the vision of making disciples. Luke I mean, Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, even in Durban, even in Amschlange and Queensborough, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now we have a lady in our church. She started an alpha group and she didn't know how to start this alpha group. So she just walked to all her neighbors and said, I'm starting an alpha group, come. And she's got like 10 people. Hey? Yeah, that's worth clapping about. And just come. And you see, what happens is we hear this thing of like, I'm the sent one, and we get intimidated and we get nervous. And let me tell you, that's why the Holy Spirit came. And you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And as you step out, the Holy Spirit works. And what happens, we're like, God, give me the Holy Spirit first. I want all the power so that I don't feel nervous. And let me tell you, at some point, you're gonna feel nervous in this journey. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again, because the first time I shared my testimony was in church, of like 400 people. I was like 17, nearly 18, maybe 18 years, and I, I was driving, I remember our pastor, Noel Sanderson, he had like this old like beach buggy converted into a Jeep, I don't know what, but it was very loud. And he said, would you like to share your testimony? And I heard, thought I heard, I wanna test, you wanna test me? testimony you know testimony and it was weird like I didn't and then I was nervous right and like it was making noise and I said yes sure yeah sure no problem I was nervous and for two weeks as I prepared my testimony to get up in front of 400 people and tell my story I was nervous I was so nervous my stomach was in a knot for two weeks I'm like why didn't you just tell me the day before church but I prepared and I prepared and I prepared and I remember getting up there and as I started speaking, 
about the second or third line, the Holy Spirit came upon me and I received power to tell people about Jesus. And the nerves left and the boldness came. And I had conviction as I shared, this is what Jesus Christ has done in my life. And that process repeated itself a hundred times in my life, that the nerves are there, but I take a, a step of faith and I say, this is why the Holy Spirit came and I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, I'm a sent one, and He promised to be with me in this process. And as I take that step, the power and the boldness comes. That's why in our church, we're so passionate about people being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have get filled evenings and we pray for people and we say, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because doing the Christian life without the Holy Spirit is like being a race car without petrol. You look pretty, but you're not very useful. <laughs> and you need that. It's like trying to run a marathon without drinking water. You need that fuel. So how do we do this? Matthew 10, this is one of the times Jesus sent out the disciples. I want to just pick up something at the end. He says, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. What have you received from God freely? Because that's the whole notion of grace. You're like, I worked hard for my house, that's awesome, but God freely provided your house by grace because he didn't have to. And there's plenty of people that work hard their whole lives and they'll never own property. Freely you've received, freely give. What has God given you that you can give away? If it's a home, make it a hospitality center. If it's a car, make it a lift club. If it's salvation, Live it with joy. If it's peace that passes all understanding in the face of a new virus in the world, carry your peace with you into your workspace. If it's the Holy Spirit, you get to share it. If it's truth, you get to share it. Look at 2 Timothy 2.2. You can remember that, 2 Timothy 2.2. It's awesome. You can only get to say that like once every five years when you're preaching. So. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses, now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he's saying, you've heard me teach many things, now teach them to others who can teach them to others. In other words, there's four generations of teaching. I'm teaching today so that you can teach it to others. And if you receive something from God in your quiet time, in the morning, or you're worshiping one day in your car and you hear and God receive, you receive something from his presence, you can share it with other people. That's why God gives it to you. That's why we're in small groups. That's why we have life groups. That's why we're in courses because it allows everyone to be a part of this process of sharing what they've been given. So truth is not for you, just for you. It is for you. Live it, breathe it, share it. Whatever you freely have received, freely give. If you're given a gift, I'm not talking about like chocolates, although you can share those with me. I'm talking about a gift from God. The Bible says, share it, 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift. 
every single person here. God has given you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You know, broadly speaking, there's two brands of gifts. There's speaking upfront gifts and there's behind the scenes serving gifts. Hello? Sorry, that's so awkward. I didn't want to make a big deal of it. I just couldn't help myself. Because sometimes we go, I don't know if I've got that upfront gift. That's, that's fine. God's given gifts of hospitality. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> There's behind the scenes gifts like, like hospitality, like a, a ministry of helps, one of the most wonderful gifts to have in the church is a ministry of helps. You know, they've done research in a church's in America, and they said if someone comes to church for the first time, if someone has a two-minute conversation with them, in other words, if someone's hospitable, they've got a 50% greater chance of coming back next week. I can preach my heart out up here, but as people like yourself who see a new person and go have a conversation, and maybe you've got a greater impact in their life than I do. You see, this is how we don't get to scorekeep in the kingdom of God, because God knows that actually it's all His grace that's knit us together and empowered us to share with other people that it causes the church to grow. What has God given you to, to give? You've got to figure that out with Him and figure out how to give it because freely you've received, so freely give. Look at Luke 19, 9 to 10. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The mission of Jesus is to come and seek and save those who are lost. That's why you are sitting here today. And when we say, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, you say, I adopt his mission that he had for his life as the mission I have for my life. How do I seek and save those who are lost? We're gonna have communion now. I'm gonna invite the, the hospitality teams. Firstly, hospitality teams, thank you so much for the way you serve our church. Can you give them a hand, please? We've got a muso to play. Can we give Dijon? He's mean as mustard, this guy. It's a joke. His name's Dijon, so. We're going to have a celebration of what you freely received here in Jesus. We're going to celebrate it, and I want you to say thank you, Jesus. But I want you to know in your heart of hearts that God's given you something to share with other people. He's given you something. And you might not think you've got anything to share. Let me tell you, if you've got Jesus, you've got the world to share. He lives in your heart. He's with you every moment of every day. This uh, bread symbolizes the body of Jesus Christ. And his body was broken for us 
so that we could be made whole. It says, by his stripes, and you can actually see the stripes on the bread. It says, by his stripes, we are healed. He was pierced for our iniquities. He was bruised for our transgressions. He was broken so we could be made whole. And you get to receive that freely. What a wonderful thing to come to Jesus Christ, the healer. And have this extraordinary relationship with a man that loved us so much that he was willing to be torn apart so we could be put together. So that shame can be broken off our life. And this grape juice, the wine is a symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us so that we could be righteous in God's sight. And so many of us have spent so many years feeling wrong. We've got the wrong personality and the wrong this and the wrong that and we feel a sense of wrongness but God has made us right in His sight, absolutely morally perfect, blameless and completely acceptable. There's nothing unacceptable about you in the sight of God. And so I want you just take some time as you're waiting to receive some people are still receiving just take some time to thank God for what he's given you in Jesus Jesus that your body was broken for us and this morning we receive freely from you pray for any person that's sick for healing any person with a broken heart for comfort any person with an anxious mind for freedom thank you that whatever's broken you paid the price to make it whole let's eat together Thank you, Jesus, for your blood which was shed for us. We receive freely by your grace of your gift of righteousness in the name of Jesus. Father God, I just thank you so much that we have received so freely from you and I pray, God, that we figure out how to give so freely of you. And Father, I thank you for this wonderful privilege of joining the mission of Jesus and knowing that He is with us to the very end. And all those people said, Amen. Amen.